You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Neinheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Today, we're looking at Christian diets and are these Christian diets different than the other diets that are out there? We have a worldview of what the dieting looks like and we have come at it, kind of hit it head on and said, but wait a minute, that's the worldview. I'm not sure that we as Christians should adopt all of this worldview, and we've been pushing back on that. Well, we're going to look at Christian diets that are promoted um, by some of them by very big name uh, Christian speakers and authors, well-respected Christians. Um, so Brooke, I know you've looked into a few specific ones. Give us a little bit of a background of these Christian diets and some of your ideas on them. Yeah. So there's, there's multiple out there. I mean, you can search top 10, top 20 Christian diets, and you're going to find all kinds of them. But the three that we chose to um, just briefly review today um, is the Daniel plan, of course, that's the, the Rick Warren Saddleback Church plan um, that was pretty well known in the media. Um, we're also going to talk about Isabel Price's New Life Promise. Um, just because I don't know about you guys, but I see that one on all over social media. It's promoted like crazy on social media. Uh, and then um, first place for health. Um, all three of these diets are very different in the nutritional aspect of them, but they all claim to be Christ-centered, biblically-based diets. So we're just going to talk, um, I'm going to give kind of a short overview of each of them and then just talk about you know what, what makes them biblically-based. Are they any different than that mainstream diets out there and what, what makes them different? So if we start with the Daniel plan, Jackie, and jump in anytime um, if you have anything to say about any of these, um, but with the Daniel plan, now if we're looking specifically at the nutritional aspect of it, um, I know there's the Daniel fast. So there's a period of time where you eat, what, only vegetables for a short period of time. Um, and then you start incorporating other things. But I looked directly at the Daniel plan. In general, that diet is, um, it's wheat free. So it's, uh, I'm assuming it's gluten free. Um, the fruit that it recommends is actually low glycemic fruit. So they want the low sugar, the non-starchy um, type fruits and vegetables. Um, and then <laughs> I thought the interesting thing was they don't allow dairy, but they allow almond and rice and coconut milk. Um, and so again, we're eliminating a food group, a natural food group given to us by God with nutrients, um, to allow for these more highly processed things, which I just thought was interesting. So the Daniel plan claims to be biblically based, based on the story of Daniel. Um, and I think in that story they chose, was it Daniel and his friends chose to, um, eat only vegetables for, I want to say a period of 10 days or two weeks or something, because they didn't want to engage in um, the food that was being provided by the king, right? So it was more of a, they weren't doing it for purposes of health or weight loss. They were doing it because they didn't want to participate in something that they thought was dishonoring to God, uh, is my understanding of it. So Jackie, would you agree that that's 
where that came from in the story of Daniel? Definitely. And the thing that really um, strikes me about what you just said was that Daniel and his friends did not want to be a part of what we would call the worldview. They were pushing back on the culture of food nutrition from a God-based perspective. So you're really right on when you say this didn't have anything to do with, with losing weight or looking good or um, you know all the outward appearance things because right. they, what they wanted people to see in their outward appearance was their dedication to God and they wanted to give God the glory. Right. I know there's like um, an exercise component of the Daniel plan. I think there's, I'm assuming there's a spiritual component of it. Um, I think a couple of the criticisms of this plan is that, you know, Rick Warren, of course, joined with, you know, secular science-based, you know, health, health professionals. I think there was some questionable backgrounds of those people and what they believed and if it was a good match or not, I don't know. Um, but the other thing was that, you know, although this diet or this diet, this plan, um, they say it's not promoted as a weight loss diet. They really did advertise, um, the weight loss effects of it. I know, um, even if you go to their website today, it says, you know, how many pounds were lost on this diet in this congregation. Um, the interesting thing is if you've, a lot of those people have gained it all back again, when we talk about diets and we talk about weight, when we talk about how our body responds to stuff like this, um, most of it is not sustainable and people gain the way back. And if you've looked at Rick Warren recently, you will see that he has done that, uh, as well. So that's the Daniel plan. Uh, let's see. The next one I want to go over um, is the Isabel Price one. Uh, it's called, I think she has a couple different diet programs out there, but the, the most recent one is the New Life Promise, it's called. Um, and from a nutrition perspective, uh, her diet is, I think, very restrictive, actually. Um, it is gluten-free, it is grass-fed, it is organic, nothing artificial. Um, there is no milk and no soy allowed in that diet as well. So she has a very specific food list, um, of what's allowed. I think it's also very, um, to say like, it's a very privileged food list. If I can use that word. Um, I think in order to follow this diet, I think it would be extremely expensive. I think it would be really hard for most families, um, to be able to buy grass-fed beef and organic everything. I think it would be very expensive. It'd be very hard to find those items for a lot of people. So um, now she's not a dietitian. Her background is in nutrition. She claims to be a nutrition expert. I'm sure she has some certifications in something. Um, but again, she uses, you know, the, the faith aspect of her diet plan is to write, spend more time with God, to read your Bible more, to spend more time with pr in prayer, to help, um, you know, to help you with your health issues. I think that's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the diet itself, I don't see there's anything biblical about it because again, the diet doesn't give us a list of foods or that we can or cannot eat. Um, we know that, that, um, you know, milk is fine. Anything that God has created is fine. And so, I don't think the diet itself is biblical. I think that comes more from a, from a, you know, like a secular worldview or science-based or whatever, um, 
whatever aspect of nutrition, or I should say lane of nutrition that she is in uh, is probably where the diet itself comes from. You know, an interesting part about her story is she talks about her mother um, always on a weight loss diet when she mm-hmm. was growing up. And um, she saw her mother always on this. And it's kind of interesting because we as women, we see more people with eating disorders whose moms were chronic dieters. Mm-hmm. So that is just another reason to think of twice before going on a restrictive diet, like even restrictive diet as far as cage-free eggs versus other eggs or grass-fed beef versus other beef. This is probably not a healthy thing for our families to see. And that is evidenced over and over and over again when we have a whole host of people with these eating disorders and it comes from the restrictiveness that we've seen at the dinner table. So I understand her um, struggle and how hard it is to get out under some of that kind of, of oppression when somebody's dieting you, but she's picked up on it. She's picked up on the dieting things that her mom did, even though she packs it in that it motivated her to try to do better. She's actually kind of doing the same thing as what she learned in her childhood instead of what she might've learned in nutrition kind of study. She says she does. Yep. No, that's, that's a great, great way of saying that. I think too, you know, like so many of these people, they don't use the word diet, right? Because we've talked about how diet has kind of been um, seen as a bad thing. Everyone's changing their, uh, their, their diet plans to lifestyles, right? So she, she doesn't use the word diet. She talks actually about having a healthy relationship with food, but yet she gives you a really restrictive list of foods that you can follow. Um, which again, this is categorizing those food into good and bad. And we don't want to categorize food as good and bad. You know, we can have these foods that, yeah, let's, let's incorporate more of, you know, fruits and vegetables and proteins and whatever. Um, but when we get really, really specific, um, like she has, um, I think, right. If for someone who is susceptible, um, to restrictive eating or disordered eating behaviors, I think that's kind of a red flag to see something like that. So another interesting part of her, her group is that she has these small study groups. And she says that you don't have to be an expert in nutrition or a teacher or a Bible scholar in order to um, help others. Okay, I have seen these kinds of Bible study groups where the focus is on if, if you're going, doing well, you're succeeding. If the number on the scale is not going well, you're failing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that has nothing to do with the Bible. And it's like the antithesis of the Bible too, right? That, that your, your feelings of success or failure are based on the number on the scale. So, you know, I'm sure some of the support groups could be really good and really amazing, mm-hmm. but others, especially when you don't have any experience leading, have no experience in nutrition, have no experience right. as a, a from a biblical background, 
boy, that could be a recipe for disaster. Right. I agree. And I see what I see happen um, in some of these things is um, it almost moves into a prosperity gospel type message, right? Where um, the problem, the reason why you're not losing weight or the reason why your health is a mess, the reason why you're feeling tired all the time is because you're not praying enough. You're not spending time in the word enough. You're not doing this enough. You know, like it becomes like, uh, like if you just have more faith, then you're going to get what you want type thing. And I see some of that messaging. Um, now I do agree if, if our spiritual health is in a good place, um, you know, we can overcome, um, some barriers. We can overcome some struggles or some, you know, if we have a problem with emotional eating or with overeating or something like that, God can certainly help us overcome those things. I think we should pray, um, to have him help us with those issues because they can be problems or symptoms of problems in our life, um, from a spiritual side, but we are not, again, we're not promised everything that we want. <laughs> we're not promised perfect health here. We're not promised weight loss. Um, and so to think that if, you know, if, if we use, um, our faith or the Bible or something as a way to get, um, into a body size that we enjoy, I think there can be some, that's a really, really fine line, um, that can lead to some, I think it's just questionable theology and questionable understanding of what the Christian life is supposed to look like, because we are called to suffer. We aren't called to get everything that we want. We aren't called to um, have a, a problem-free life here. So, anyway. okay. So another part of this diet are the supplements. And um, she talks about, it sounds like they sell it. And she talks about the best way for like collagen supplements. Um, she talks about if you have leg cramps, this is the supplements that you need. Um, she talks about uh, some things in life like menopause is inevitable, but we have three menopause um, helpers as far as supplements. So this is another interesting thing. So she's restricting certain foods and anytime you restrict certain foods, you are missing certain nutrients. And then you sell those nutrients as supplements. Mm -hmm. So that is an interesting angle that is used in diet plans in all across the board. Right. Yep. Very, very common. So, okay. Anything else on her plan? You know, one thing I want to lift up is I want to tell the good part is that okay. yes. about putting God first and yes. Um, more prayer and getting into reading of the word. And I don't want to ever cut down Christians that are truly bringing people to know God and to serve God and to love him more. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I just want to put that out there. Yep. And sometimes all of us kind of bring in the culture that we're around and we're not pushing back on it, maybe quite enough. No, I agree. And I would say that that is true for all of these diets. Like I said, these Christian diets, the great thing about them is that they do include the spiritual component and they are all motivating us or encouraging us to improve our relationship with God. And I think that is 100% great. Um, it's just, yeah, they all have different nutrition things associated with it. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what we're reviewing today. So the last one I wanted to look at is, um, it's called first place for health. Uh, this is kind of like, I would, I would put it in the category of kind of like the Christian weight watchers. It's very much, um, 
it's very much set up in that way in terms of like having support groups and small groups available. Um, they don't have a specific diet plan. What they teach is just like my plate, like the USDA guidelines. So it's very much, it's a very balanced look. It's very heavy in fruits and vegetables. Um, I would say they do, they do uh, promote a low calorie diet, which is probably one of the red flags I think that would, that would show up for me. Um, some of the, the, some of the blog posts that I read through some of the meal plans and questions, um, I saw people having things, you know, in the 13 to 1400 calorie range um, for their calorie goals per day. I think that is, um, that is too low. I think that is unsustainable and is just going to cause um, more harm than good in the long run. But um, from a balanced perspective, from a not you know demonizing any foods perspective, I think that's I think that's okay. Um, everything fits in in that diet. Um, it's just it's pretty low calorie. I think about, the other thing. Oh, go ahead. Calories again? Would you repeat that? Um, Thirteen to fourteen hundred calories is kind of what I was seeing in there. Um, now they have some kind of tool where you can go in and figure out how many calories you should have every day. Um, so I, that's going to vary per person. Uh, and I don't know what tool they use for that. I didn't get into uh, what it is, but they do have a way where you can calculate it. And they strongly, they don't, they don't say you have to, but they strongly recommend tracking your intake. So whether it's counting your calories or measuring your portions, um, eyeballing your portions, everything is, is, is very focused on tracking. There was actually one blog post that had a prayer about like, Lord, help me want to track my food. <laughs> um, they, they, they also, which I thought was extremely ironic is they equate tracking with freedom. Um, now for some people that might be true. Maybe some people need that structure or, you know, benefit from that kind of um, accountability or tracking. I know other people, if you, put them in that position, or if you recommend that to them, it is like bondage. It is like chains put on them to have to track their food and can lead to like some really, really unhealthy, um, obsessive thoughts about food. And so, um, I, I would caution people on that. I think that was probably one of the biggest red flags of, of the diet plan or of the, you know, the, the lifestyle plan that I saw was that, but, um, you know, again, as far as the biblical aspect, they send out daily Bible verses, they have prayers, they have Bible studies, they have lots of really good things that actually aren't focused on food, which I think is great. I think, again, encouraging and nourishing that relationship with God is a good thing, um, especially as Christian women are come together with it. But again, this whole plan is focused on weight loss. It's all about losing pounds. It's all about tracking food, counting calories, um, you know, for that. So that's so my why, assessment why? of that one. Yeah. Why do you feel that doesn't work? I mean, obviously for a small, like 98% of all these diets do not work, that they fail. Mm -hmm. But how about the 2% that it does work? You know, some people cling to that. Like yep. where many people say, well, I'm one of those 2%. Yep. Yep. And I think that's, I think that's great. I think, um, we are all different and we need to find what works best for us. Like I said, some people do really well with structure. Some people do really well in that setting. Other people do not. <laughs> some people do really well, um, 
you know, eating a lower carb diet, they feel better on it. They like those foods. It works better for them. Some do really well, you know, eating more of a vegetarian diet. Like we are all different. And I think the key to anything, I, I think we've talked about this when we're talking about health goals, the key to anything is to find something that is sustainable for you. Um, what can you do long-term that isn't going to mess with your relationship with food, that's not going to destroy your relationships, that's going to be good for your health? What can you do long-term? Um, and so again, that's where I lean for balance. I lean to flexibility because I think it's sustainable. When we do any kind of rigid restriction, those typically aren't restrainable, but you know, there are some people, there are some personalities that are able to do that. But very, very few that by, yeah. by idea that 98% right. of diets fail. Another right. thing I want to just, I want to connect the dots between the 13, 1400 calories and sustainability. Now the idea is that yeah, 13, 1400 calories a day, you're going to lose weight, but it's not sustainable because your body is demanding more than that. Mm -hmm. And as soon as life happens and something comes up and it messes up that structure, whether it's one day later, three days later, or three weeks later, it's yeah. not sustainable through life circumstances, right? And people gain it back and sometimes gain even more. So would it have been better to have never gone on the 13, 1400 calorie diet right. than to have gone on it and then gained it back and gained extra? Right, right. You know, and with with any diet, um, you know, these these Christian diets, uh, you know, versus secular diets, they're all the same. They all have testimonials of people with success stories. Um, they all have people who have done well. Um, they don't tell you about the people that don't do well. They don't tell you about the people that drop out. They don't tell you about the people that gain the weight back. And so it's really hard to know. Like, yes, I know some people have found success on it, but how many haven't? Like that's something that's missing in um, the advertising and marketing of these things. And so it's really hard to know, is, is this the answer or is this not? I know a lot of, lot of Christian women out there are looking for something. We're not any different than, you know, people who, who don't believe in Christ. So um, I think a lot of these diets are enticing. And yeah, I think the spiritual component is awesome, um, but it's still a diet. Um, and so it's really important that we look at each of these and figure out, like, is this really going to improve my health? Is this really going to improve my relationship with food? Is this something I can do long term? Is this going to allow me to go to um, my grandson's birthday and, you know, have cake and ice cream? Is this going to allow me to have, you know, eat potluck at church on Sunday? I mean, all of these things need to be um, thought, thought about because, again, we don't want our life focused on food. We don't want our life focused on, you know, what are we going to eat next, next meal? And, you know, meticulously counting our calories to seeing if we have room for this. Um, I think that again, distracts us from things that are more important uh, as Christians. So, and how do we want, what legacy do we want to leave? Do we want to mm -hmm. leave a legacy of my mom was always on a diet mm -hmm. or do we want to leave a legacy? My mom was there. She gave an example of a godly life. She was um, a part of the world and the culture without actually partaking of it. And um, just an example of how that happens and, and what that looks like. So as far as these Christian diets go, again, we only reviewed 
three of them. There's multiple out there. Um, but what are kind of our, I guess, our main messages for our audience as far as, um, you know, how to, how to look at these or how to address these if they come across them? I think for me personally, the first one is I would want to examine the evidence from a biblical perspective. Hmm. I want to look at, you know, is there evidence in the Bible that a gluten-free diet is necessary, a cage-free hmm. kind of egg diet is necessary? Um, so the first one would be to examine the evidence according to the Bible. The second thing is we can look at the science because, you know, God's truth is science. And any truth we find in science is going to be God's truth. I mean, it's just been proven over and over again. And when we see something in the science that says, oh, you can't have milk, you can't have, um, you have to have organics, you have to have this or this, we can look at the science from God's perspective and say, you know, he is the author of these foods, that he made these foods for us to eat. Then the third is whenever we're trying to package a worldly concept and we're trying to package it in a spiritual package, we really need to tread lightly because it's important for us to realize in our minds, other people, other marketing people will use these tacks without really caring about your spirituality. Now, some really do care, but they still cross over the line of packaging a worldly idea like you have to be thin and beautiful to be successful or to um, be used of God. And the Bible doesn't even talk in that direction. So that marketing ploy has to put up red flags. Like I need to push back on this type of culture so that I can keep my life and um, that it may glorify God. Yes, 100%. And I think, um, you know, if there are any Christian diets out there that just are promoting health, I think rather than focusing solely on weight loss, um, I think that can be an okay thing. You know, we, we, we do that here. We talk about our health. We think stewarding our body is an important thing. God has given us this one body. It's our job to take care of it. Um, and how are we doing that? And so I think, you know, you can use a, uh, you know, I, we've talked about kind of being a skeptic, um, but making sure that you're like really, really investigating to find out what is the premise behind this program or this plan? How much is it going to cost you? <laughs> um, first of all, because good nutrition doesn't cost anything um, other than the food. And I think that's something, you know, Jackie and I don't make money doing this. Um, we don't sell plans. We don't sell things like that. Um, but, um, you know, we, I guess we can we maybe charge for like counseling services, but like good nutrition doesn't cost you anything in addition to going to the grocery store. So you can buy, you know, healthy foods um, and not have to pay extra for that. Um, and so just making sure that again, you're not gonna be taken advantage of, um, be really critical. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for, really critical in your um, just assessment of this. Um, how is it going to affect your life, your relationships, your time, your mind? Um, but yeah, anything that points you closer to Jesus, I'm hundred percent for, um, just be wary of the, the weird nutrition stuff. If they're saying you can't have certain foods, I think that's a huge red flag. So 
Well, thank you so much. It's been really good to visit with all of our listeners and we always are wanting to hear from you. So give us your perspective on uh, Christian diets that you've even tried or you've heard about or you want to know more information about it. We'd yes. love to look at it with you. Yeah, definitely. If there's any other diets that you're specifically interested in, we could look into them. Um, so yeah, reach out and let us know. The best way to get a hold of us is on our Instagram page. So have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day.